0: Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. John, it is a wonderful Saturday morning, a little bit chilly here in Alabama, but it's okay. I bought all the ingredients for chili, so I'm good to go.
1: (laughs) Chili for chili for my man West tonight. You know, it's nice. It's it's that type of year. It's that time of year where we get that chill in the air and that, that classic football weather. You know, that's when the guys hit hard, they get down in the trenches and, you know, only the strong survive at the end this time of year.
0: Well, that's true for fantasy football as well, and fantasy football analysts, my friend. And we're doing a good job, though. The show has been getting better and better, more reviews. We're getting more DMs, stuff like that, and and, and getting more listens. And so I want to, first of all, just thank all the Fantasy Impact Today family that's out there, the Fit Fam that we call them. Uh, Just appreciate you guys listening and tuning in every week. I know it's kind of a weird time. We like to do this on Saturday. It gives John and I some time to digest and to think about things throughout the week. And so it's a little bit different release date. Than normal but that may change at some point as well but we just appreciate the fit fam out there not only listening and subscribing to the show and 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 giving reviews on itunes and wherever else you can give reviews on but also i appreciate you getting the show out to other people the retweets that you do the uh sending through a text message hey we got a new show that you need to listen to john i, I appreciate the fit fam for doing that
1: yeah absolutely the fit fam is uh, really fantastic Um, We've gotten a great response. I appreciate all the messages and stuff that people are sending to us. And also, you know, one good thing about the Saturday show, at least for us, is we get that last look at the betting lines before we go into the action. So, you know, what you look at on a Monday or Tuesday, a lot of that information is going to be irrelevant by the time you get to the weekend because so many things have changed between the movement of the lines and also the injuries uh, and the lineup reports. So it, it is a little bit more relevant the closer you get to game time.
0: Yeah, and and John, you talk about that a little bit. Let me make sure I, I tell everybody first before because we're gonna, I'm going to get lost in all the show notes here in a minute. But uh, you can follow John Frisella on Twitter, and it's a great follow. We do a great job. We kind of interact a little bit on Sundays as well, along with J.B. Barry. Uh, but you can find John Frisella on Twitter at at Seven on Twitter. I almost forgot that for a second time. <laughs> At at legend sports seven on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter as well at Loafin it on Twitter. And don't forget to follow the show at FI today with a little underscore, little underscore at the end. And I'm, and the fit picks are going to be posted sometime today. I actually asked uh, Twitter nation to help me out a little bit. Didn't get a great response. It was Friday night. I didn't expect a great response, but I'm really debating and we'll talk about it a little bit later. The Cleveland Pittsburgh game. That's, that's a good game. And I, I'm going back and forth in my mind over who I want to pick for that game. Uh, but, John, you talked about the betting lines a little bit and being able to digest them. I mm-hmm. decided to get a head start on our show like Sunday night. Sunday night, I went ahead and I looked at the betting lines or Monday night, uh, right, right before Pierre's show uh, here on the network at the, at, uh, the, the DFS Dreamers. And, and the lines have changed so much this week. It, maybe it's just me and my memory, but the lines have changed so much. And we'll get to that when we start covering these things, but it's almost flip-flopped in some games.
1: Yeah, some of the games I saw the line opened minus three one way. I won't really say which game is which yet. We'll get into that. Um, And then it went all the way the opposite direction, six points. So it went from minus three to plus three. So there's a lot of reasons for that. So we'll get into that later in the show.
0: Yeah. And we'll also give you our, our breadwinners at the end of the show, a couple of picks that we think that are definite locks. Uh, that was that was Twitter Nation. I asked Twitter Nation for some help with segments and they said, you got to have a bread segment, a breadwinner. And I said, oh yeah, that's a, that's genius right there. Why didn't I think of that? And that's because Twitter's much smarter than me probably at times. <laughs> well, well I don't some- want
1: to say that, but you know, maybe it's just a, a lot of minds getting together and you get an idea out of the whole group.
0: Yes, but, but we'll give you some breadwinners, and also, John's going to give us some movie suggestions as well, so that's interesting, but you and I covered before the year some win-loss totals, some Super Bowl odds, and I want to revisit that now that we're just about six weeks into the NFL season. There's not a great midway point or a third of the way point. This is, this is pretty close. I want to check in on this a couple of times throughout the season, and right now, when we look at the Super Bowl odds, John, you know, I, I hate to say it, but my super one of my... Flyer Super Bowl picks, the Giants, are now at plus 50,000 or 500 million or something like that. And the only, the only team worse than that is are your Jets at like plus 750 billion odds right now.
1: Well, you can imagine what it's like around here in New York, right? It's a uh, lot of people moping around. The Yankees got knocked out of the playoffs. The Mets didn't make it in the first place. The Jets haven't won a game. The Giants haven't won a game. It reminds me when I went to UConn the UConn basketball team obviously is very well known across the country, one of the biggest programs. Right. And we had a great team one year. We went deep into the tournament and we lost to a little school called George Mason, who had never gone deep in the tournament. And I remember walking around the campus the next day and it was like zombies. It was like zombie Land. People had their hoodies on. They had their head down. Nobody would acknowledge each other. And that's what it's like around here in New York with the Jets and Giants not winning a single game.
0: Wow, I, I I remember the George Mason game. I do because it's you know when you're not watching it and you're not invested in either school really, and you're always pulling for the underdog, that huge underdog, and then they pull it off. It's just like
1: wow, hey, unbelievable! That's great TV. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing that neither team missed in that game. That's my recollection. I have a very good recollection. It was like both teams were shooting sixty, seventy percent. So I was obviously very disappointed they didn't win the four years I was at the school, which is very odd for UConn, um, but. At the same time, I was like, "What else could they really do? Maybe make a couple of stops here and there." But you had to credit the other team. George Mason shot seventy percent in overtime, and that got them the win. So, well, you know, you make shots, you win the game.
0: Yeah, that's that. Well, that's that's usually how it works, I believe. <laughs> hey, as I scroll up these Super Bowl odds, the first one that jumps out at me that may might be like a good a good, I guess, a wage a wager that would be the Lions at plus fifteen thousand. If you so, I mean, are we counting the Lions that far out right now?
1: Yeah, I'm counting the Lions way out. I mean, you're going way down in the dumps here. I I was looking toward the top in the same division, and I'm wondering why the Packers are fourth right now. What else do the Packers have to do for people to respect them in that division and in this league? They're at plus 1,000. The Seahawks at plus 800, and the Ravens at plus 550. I would take the Packers over either one of those teams right now. They're an all-around team. Um, You know, as far as that division goes, the Lions, look, if you're going to take a shot down there, personally, I think the Dolphins got a better chance than the Lions. They're starting really? to come on strong. Um, and they're, they're actually big, you know, big favorite this week and they're starting to become more favorites each week. Um, so if I had to pick between the two, it would be there. And also because, you know, the Lions also have Chicago in the way, uh, with a higher record right now. And of course the Packers in first in that division. And I don't think Minnesota is really that bad either. They took a tough loss to Seattle. So it's, it's a little bit crowded in that division for the Lions, you know?
0: That's a great point. The Panthers are at plus 6,600, which seems odd to me. They're a really good football team, and we'll talk about them here uh, as our first game that we break down in just a minute. But the Panthers are surprisingly good this year. It really seems like that coaching staff is doing a great job right now. Matt Rule has just brought all of his guys with them, and, and right now they are ruling as we talk, as we speak right now.
1: Yeah, they absolutely are. And it's, it's interesting because we had kind of talked about it before the season that I was concerned about DJ Moore and a little bit about McCaffrey in that offense. And part of the reason was, I said, when you bring in a brand new coach, who's a good coach, who's well-respected, and you bring in a game manager quarterback, who's not going to turn the ball over by default, what you're announcing to everyone is we would like to play close games. And when you play a series of close games, you're going to win some of them. And that's what's happening for the Panthers. Now their offense is clicking. They're they're staying tight in games, and when it gets down to the wire, sometimes you're going to pull those out. So that's why I didn't really count them as a throwaway team with Bridgewater. Last year was a little bit different. Cam Newton was done. You know, he played a couple of games, and that was it. Kyle Allen was just a project at that point. Ron Rivera was on his way out. Different storyline. Now you bring in some optimism and a new quarterback. It changes the dynamic of the team and also the style that you're playing within that dynamic.
0: Yeah, and uh, and as we look at this big picture a little bit, the Titans and Mike v- Vrabel. Uh, just doing a great job there and he always has been doing a great job. An unbelievable job as a coach. Even in that first and second year, he was he was beating the big names in football with a lot lesser talent on his team. The Titans right now are plus 1800 to win the Super Bowl and I think like you said in a with a team who always keeps it close, has a very strong running game, they always have a shot to win.
1: Yeah. Not only that, I mean, the Ravens are plus 550. They're the second favorite. We saw the Titans dismantle them. Now, of course it may not be the same storyline if they run into each other again, but then again, it was a blowout. It wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Obviously the Ravens are going to adjust what they do if we get down to that standpoint. But again, just talking about betting value plus 1800 at the same number as the Titans is the Rams. To me, it's not even close. The, the Titans have a much better chance of winning the Super Bowl than the Rams. I mean, I don't want to tip my own cap. I did pick the Rams to make the Super Bowl before the season on our show. But right now, looking at it, even though they're playing decent football and they're winning some games, I'd rather have the Titans as my pick for the Super Bowl and they're the same odds. So I'm with you. That's a good play on the Titans at 1,800. I like the Packers at 1,000. Um, and the Bucks I think, are too high at plus 1,600. I think that's a sucker's bet. I think they're trying to bait people because it's Tom Brady. So I think they should be more like plus 2,500 or plus 3,000.
0: Yeah, and and around that plus two thousand twenty five hundred range, the Bills and Patriots are below all those teams that you just mentioned. So I, that that's that's interesting to see those two who are offensive juggernauts, I guess you could say. Both of them in the same division. It's just really weird when you look at some of these teams that are up here higher. To me, it, it, starting the season, I didn't see some of these outcomes.
1: Yeah, you know the Bills. I don't know what's happened to the defense the last couple of games. I know they have a number of injuries this week. They didn't have Tre'Davious White. Um, they're giving up a ton of yards, a ton of points. And they're starting to spiral a little bit in terms of where they stand in the footing of the AFC. I would say long term, if the Patriots can keep Cam Newton on the field, they may end up eking out this division. That obviously depends on the quarterback position. We saw what happens. Once you strip away your starting quarterback and you have Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer, it's not quite the same. Um, But if they can stay healthy, I do think with their coaching and their defense, they might actually surpass the Bills. So I'd rather take the Patriots at plus 2,500 than take the Bills at plus 2,000.
0: I can see that. And one thing I noticed, too, as we look at this, the NFL landscape has really changed, not only in betting lines and, and standings and different things like that, uh, but but even for fantasy football, the NFL landscape has changed. It seems like to me, and I think I saw you tweet some stuff out about this, that t- fantasy teams are a little bit watered down. It, it's like I've got a lot of flex people on my on my roster, and I'm doing really well. I'm the highest scoring team, but a lot of times when I look at others' teams in my same division, their rosters are almost worse than mine.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a totally different animal this year, Wes. It's a it's a good point that you bring up. Uh, what I tweeted was mediocrity reigns supreme right now, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Right? Obviously, number one is we're into those bye weeks now, so that's mm-hmm. a given you start to see these lineups where guys are making a lot of pickups. They got three, four guys on the buy. They have to release good players that they don't want to release depending on the settings of the league. So that's a main factor. Obviously, when you wipe out that first tier of players that have missed so many games, right? McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, et cetera, et cetera. Other guys have missed, quarterbacks have missed. Garoppolo and Drew Locke in recent weeks. So when you have all those injuries, plus you have the COVID guys who are now sort of in between those two, I wouldn't call it an injury, but they're missing games for it. And and like Corey Davis from the Titans is going to miss his second game with that. Um, You know, there's a lot of guys are all around in all those different aspects that are watering down the rosters. And what that means is, and why it's important is this is a year where normally I would say to you, don't rely on picks to win your league, right? Pickups off the free agent list. Pickups off the waiver wire. Don't rely on that. That's not going to win you championships this year It's a little bit different I think you really got to buckle down and you got to look at those matchups if you're streaming defenses And you got to make sure you get the most amount of points out of your defense if you're streaming kickers Make sure you get the most amount of points out of your kickers if you're picking up guys off the waiver wire Make sure not only are you picking up guys to help you that week But if you see a guy like in one of my leagues henry Ruggs is on the buy Somebody picked him up right and early in the morning on waiver day um, those types of things stash guys to improve your team over the course of the year because there's gonna be more buys there's gonna be more covid there's gonna be more injuries you could be really watered down two or three weeks from now so this is a year where you really got to coach and also don't give up on your season because i've seen a couple of leagues where and i'm being dead serious with 14 teams in the league the 14th place team has a better roster than the first place team dead mm. serious they have a better team that just had bad luck with bad luck with injuries so don't give up on your year. Keep making moves and stay on top of the roster.
0: And they probably ran into some hot players like, uh, you know, maybe a Devontae Adams that first week or even uh, the the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Mixon, uh, a couple of weeks ago when he had a really good game. That's why I think that the highest scoring player or team in your league should get an automatic playoff berth, John. That's why I think that. You're never no, going to convince me. I mean, you me can otherwise.
1: pay them. Like I said, you can pay them out. If your league you know, pays out the winners, you can pay out the most points. But like I told you, go do a rotisserie league if you're worried about points. That's why we got head-to-head, my friend.
0: I understand. I understand what you're saying. We'll go head-to-head on that for the rest of our lives, John. Yeah. Hey, let's get into these games, though, a little bit. And well, the very first game that we got is the Chicago Bears. My Chicago Bears versus the Carolina Panthers that we talked about a little bit earlier. This this line started out that the Panthers being favored by three points. It's dropped down to minus one now. The over-under uh, over/under is set at 44.5. It, it seems like a pick 'em game, John, at this point. And I'm not really sure what to do with this game other than thinking that Carolina ha- is just coming on really strong. And I still don't trust Nick Foles as quarterback for the Chicago Bears.
1: I think what you said is exactly what the consensus is going to think by the time we get to the final betting line. So I'm definitely going to take the Bears because remember, when the line drops, that's telling you a lot of information. It opened up with Carolina being a three-point favorite. Now on most of the sites, it's one point. So what they're saying is that three points was too high. uh, The action is 50-50 right now. So it wasn't the action that pulled the line down. It was the lines makers. So they're telling you, oh, maybe you want to entice you to take Carolina because Carolina is getting hot, right? So I'm going to take the Bears because obviously Foles was on national TV last time on that Thursday game, and uh, he looked very inaccurate and everybody was making fun of him. He missed a couple of guys wide open. He had the argument with Matt Nagy. There was a lot of negative stuff in that game even though they won. So I think people are maybe down on the Bears. So I'm going to take the Bears because I think people are up on Carolina David Montgomery starting to come around a little bit, so he's looking at a possible play in DFS. And Allen Robinson is a machine right now. A guy's getting 15 targets a game, so it's hard to ignore the volume that he's getting for the Chicago Bears.
0: So what you're saying, Am I, am, I, am I reading this right? Mm-hmm. Vegas is covering their tails because the the point spread started out too high, so they they said, oh, this is this is coming the op- this is everybody sweeping in the opposite way, so we need to go down to minus one to cover our tails. Am I thinking that right?
1: Sort of. What they're saying is enough, not enough of the action originally was going on Carolina, and you can okay. tell that they want the action to go on Carolina, right? Because they want to collect all the losing bets. So if it's at minus three and it goes down to minus one, what they're saying is go ahead, take Carolina. All you, all you suckers out there, go and take Carolina. Oh, they're trending upward. They're a hot team. So they want all the money. They want, by the time they get to the kickoff, they want 70 75% on Carolina. And then when the Bears win the game by three points on a field goal at the end, Vegas collects. They collect 75% of the losses. So that's what they're doing. It's an enticement. They're trying to get you to take Carolina.
0: I like the Carolina coaching staff a little bit better than I like that Chicago Bears coaching staff. In our fit picks, I'm taking Carolina because whenever I've taken the Bears this year, they lost. So I'm never taking the Bears again. I will sacrifice my fit pick for the Chicago Bears. Don't say I never did anything for you. That's just you know how it is with football, player, uh, football fans. If we think we did something to help the team win, we're going to do it every time. So I <laughs> am need to take the Carolina, I'll take the opposite of the Bears every single time, kind of hedging my bet there, I think, a little bit. And in this game, I'm going to take Carolina, John. I, I like Carolina instead of Chicago, but I, I like your reasoning.
1: Well, we're going to find out a lot about whether or not Carolina is real in this game, right? That, That's a good indicator. When you have a game like this where it's clear that the quote-unquote right play to make is to take the Bears, if the other team can overcome that, right? If Carolina right. comes out and has a statement game, That tells you a lot about where they stand in the landscape of the league, and maybe they're not going to go away. But I'm sticking with Chicago. I mean, obviously, on the Carolina side, you could still use DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. They're getting plenty of targets. They get plenty of looks. Mike Davis has been really good since filling in for CMC. So you got some fantasy plays there, no problem. Um, But I'm going to take the Bears on the betting line.
0: Okay. Now, on this next game, we have Detroit versus Jacksonville. And you're going to be proud of me because I scrolled down and when I scrolled down, I saw next week, Detroit plays Atlanta, okay, in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and Atlanta is favored by one point next week, all right, that's, that's the initial line. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going, De- Vegas has no respect at all for Detroit, so why in the world should I respect Detroit at all This week, when they are favored by three points against the Jacksonville Jaguars and all the betting line, all the money, the public money is coming in on Detroit at 63%. This over-under total is 54.5, so it looks like a DFS dandy if you ask me. I got to take Jacksonville in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're making the right play this time, right? I think I'm going to go opposite of you, only off of a gut play. I just feel like Jacksonville is not very good. I mean, we thought that before the season. And then they opened up with that impressive win over the Colts. And maybe they tricked some of us into thinking they're more competitive than they are. Um, I agree with you. I think you're, you know, obviously you've come a long way in reading into the lines. I think the right play is to take Jacksonville. I'm just going to go with my gut on this one. I'm going to take Detroit just because I think they need to win. And they're looking at the schedule going, man, if we can't beat Jacksonville here, Mm -hmm. how are we going to be a player long term for the season? So that's that's where I'm at. And of course, if it comes down to a gunslinging show down the line, I'm going to take Stafford over Minshew myself. So I like Galladay this week Um, for Detroit. You know, you can mix in a little bit of Hawkinson depending on the situation there. I'm a little bit down on James Robinson for Jacksonville. I feel like he came in too hot and maybe he's coming back down to earth a little bit. How do you feel about that, Wes?
0: Well, I was going to ask you about James Robinson because we had a question on Twitter about James Robinson and he asked whether or not, because I said if DJ Shark does not play, in the game against Detroit, I'm not confident in starting any Jacksonville Jaguars. And then he asked, "Well, what about James Robinson?" And I'm going, "Oh, James Robinson is bulletproof at this point, isn't he?" And then if you if you look, take out like that 20 point week that he had, that really good week, I think on a Thursday night, mm-hmm. he, he has he's he, yes he's had a 19 point week, but all the rest of them have been very mediocre at best. I mean, under 10 points every single week. And I suggested to him. Yes, you got to start him because you never know if he's going to have that huge week. But at the same time, I don't like his schedule going forward. I think James Robinson is a great trade candidate. And the reason why is, like I said, the, the schedule, he's got tons of big names lined up that really are run-stopping teams. Plus, I suggested this, trade him to your week eight opponent because that's when Jacksonville has a bye. So then, you, <laughs> then you kind of have a little <laughs> sneaky play there, you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. If you can find a trade partner for that, why not? Um, it's interesting you bring this up though, because I actually had four different people approach me about James Robinson this week and what to do with him long-term. Two of people had the same question, which was, who do you value more going forward, James Robinson or Chris Carson? And I said, mm-hmm. Chris Carson. Yeah. I just think Seattle's offense is wide open right now. When you got to worry about DK Metcalf and Lockett on the outside, that opens up the field for Carson, who's a bulldog, right? When he's healthy, he's a monster. He's just running guys over. He's like a mustard, mustard, and Carson can really run you over and run by you. Physical guys. Uh, like fa- Almost faster, a little bit leaner Derrick Henry type of runners. You know what I mean? So I, I think that I would lean in Carson's favor. And again, I think the good thing about Robinson is he's going to get a lot of touches. So there's no debates there. There's really nobody with Jacksonville that's cutting into his workload. But I think his production is what we got to watch. I think especially if Chark doesn't play, that makes things worse for him because mm-hmm. they're going to put more guys in the box. And another thing, if Chark doesn't play, there's no way that that over is going to hit in the game because when they stack the box against Robinson, that's going to that's lower the point total for the game. No Chark on the outside. So I would think the game is going to be more in the high 40s than in the mid-50s range. So keep, keep an eye on that injury report in that game.
0: Yeah, and I have one more question for this game off of Twitter. Somebody asked me who they would you know, what about Chenault then? You know, that opens things up for Chenault. And once again I said, you know, when DJ Shark wasn't in there, it just closed down that offense completely. And not only that, Detroit is coming off of a bye week. They they're coming off of a bye week last week. So they've had time to prepare prepare for Jacksonville. And they said, Well, who would you rather start? Because I gotta make this decision, Chenault or Brandon Cooks? And, and, of course, Houston's going up against Tennessee right now, and Cooks had that great game last week. But I have more confidence in Brandon Cooks than I do Chenault. And, you know, then I, I, I told the guy to fade me because whenever I have to make a decision like that, it always comes back to backfire.
1: Yeah, I mean, in my column this week at Aaron Torres Online, I did say for my DFS section that you got to at least try to ride the hot hand with Brandon Cooks, right? It seems too simple coming off the biggest game of the season for him that seemingly came from out of nowhere, but did it? Come from out of nowhere because there was a coaching change. How do you know Romeo Cornell didn't come in and say, the first thing we're going to do is make sure that Will Fuller is not the only guy catching the ball, that we find a way to get the ball to Brandon Cooks. I'm not worried about anything else. So if that's the case, he might be a go-to guy going forward. You got to at least try it because on DK, his salary is under 5000 so he's very affordable. Will it necessarily work out? Of course, we don't know. It's, it's in the future. But at least for a week, you got to ride it out. So, yeah, I would go with you on this one, Wes. I would take Cooks over Chenault, although the only thing with Jacksonville is if Chark doesn't play, they're going to look for creative ways to get the ball into Chenault's hands. Just because he's an electric little player, he can do some sneaky things out there. So yeah, I I don't think either one is a bad play for their salary, but I would probably pick Cooks.
0: Okay, so the right play is to play Jacksonville probably to go opposite of the public and to read that line properly. But, John, you said you're going with Detroit, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going with Detroit, too. I, I got to. I, I think that they're going to blow Jacksonville out of the water off that bye week. I'm taking Detroit as well in that game. And, uh, yeah, if Shark doesn't play, I'm, I'm, I'd am i side with you on the under.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, they're going to need that. They're definitely going to need him in order to hit that over.
0: Next game, the Atlanta Falcons playing their first game without their old head coach. They got a new regime there in Atlanta going up against the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota is favored by four points. This one at the over-under total, the the game total, has dropped to 54. It started out at 56. It dropped to 54, even though it looks like Julio Jones will be playing in this game.
1: Yeah, you know, this is going to be the opposite situation of what we just (laughs) talked about with the Texans. Uh, not the opposite of what you said, Wes. I'm not, not going there. It's what we just talked about with the Texans was they had a coaching change. Cronell came. The team was all fired up. They played a very good game. Let me point out to you the big distinction here in these two teams. Okay. The Texans opened up the season playing against the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Steelers. So it was hard to judge them anyway. Sure, they fired the coach, Bill O'Brien. It's a good idea. You want to mix things up. Hopefully things turn around and it worked that way, but maybe we couldn't judge how good or bad their team really was. When you play against those three teams in a row, it starts to get in your head when you're like, oh man, these teams can play on both sides of the ball. They got superstars everywhere. It wears you down. And then you get a bounce back when you play against some lesser teams. That's not been the case for Atlanta, right? Atlanta has lost some games. Like they got blown out by the Packers without Adams and without Alan Lazard. There's no excuse for that. Not that the Packers aren't one of the best teams. They are. But you took away their number one and number two receiver. You're on national TV and you have zero pride. You're just going to get your doors blown off. So I don't think that Atlanta is going to bounce back the same way that the Texans did with the coaching change. And neither does the public. It's 66% on Minnesota right now. I just feel like Minnesota coughed that game up against Seattle last week. I don't Mm -hmm. see it happening again. The line did jump a half a point. It went from three and a half to four. Minnesota favorite. I'm going to take the Vikings to win this game by a touchdown. How about you, my friend?
0: I think that uh, I like the over in this game because neither team has great defensive backs, and this is just going to be a pass-happy game, if you ask me. I think you can fire up all those Atlanta situational players, and I think it's a huge upgrade for Gage if Julio Jones comes back because then he finds his regular role without having to have that pressure of being the man again, and and I like that uh, aspect for the Atlanta Falcons. Minnesota, even though they're missing Cooks Madison is not a a, a tremendous downgrade. And you like this guy, Boone. I know you've talked about Boone many, many times, and that when he has an opportunity to play, he always runs hard and he always plays hard. So I do like Minnesota in this game as well. It's at minus four. That seems like a lot of points. It looks like a field goal game to me. So I'm actually going to take Atlanta on this game.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, absolutely, Boone. I tell you, you know, speaking of my own team, the Jets, right? Uh, Boone's been a third stringer on this Minnesota team. I would have him as as my starter since the middle of last season on the Jets. That's this guy. I just like his style. I just like that. He's physical. He's downhill. And you're not going to lose anything here with Madison and him for one game over the course of the season. Obviously, you want to have Dalvin Cook. He's a he's a superstar, right? He's just a different type of running back the way that he sees the field. Even he said that that was his quote last week. They said, Dalvin, how come you're seeing holes that other guys are not seeing? He said, it's just the way I see the field. Right, It reminds me of Goodwill Hunting, since we're going to talk about movies. <laughs> his, his girlfriend says to him, how do you just see these math problems? He goes, well, some people could just play the piano. They could just look at it and sit down and play. He's like, that's what it is with my mind. I could just sit down, and look at a math problem that I could just play. That's what Dalvin Cook said about the football field. He just sees the defense, and he could just explode through it. So, yeah, I mean, long term, they're going to need him. But this week, they're not going to need him, especially against Atlanta. And we like Madison, and we like Boone as uh, fill-ins in this game. And I like Justin Jefferson. Here's why. Last week, Seattle fell asleep with Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen destroyed them. I don't know how you can let that guy run wild. He's one of the best players in the league, one of the best wide receivers all around. I think Atlanta, at least with the new coach, they're going to say, hey, guys, first thing we got to do is not let Adam Thielen score two touchdowns with 120 yards. That's not acceptable. So that's why I like Justin Jefferson as a DFS play this week.
0: I also think one of the tight ends will catch a touchdown for Minnesota. Uh, You know, I I always want to say Irv Smith because Irv Smith's an Alabama guy, and he kind of opened things up a little bit last week. At least that offense was keying in on him at the very beginning of the game. But, man, I don't want to count out Kyle Rudolph either. Uh, It just seems like they're going to get some some looks inside the red zone, and that's where the tight ends somewhat uh, start to be accentuated, and Kyle Rudolph knows his way around the end zone.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, though, about Irv this time, because if you look at the snaps, I think he played over 70% for the first time this season. And of course, if you want a dream matchup, it's always going to be Atlanta with an over-under of 54 points. You know what I mean? So I do think it might be finally time to use Irv Smith and DFS, mix and match some lineups. Of course, like you said, Rudolph is a good, solid football player. He's not going anywhere. He could block. He's a leader. He's been around the block. So that's not, you know, he's always going to be there. But for fantasy, I think we'd rather go with Irv Smith in this situation.
0: I would agree with you. This is another weird game. The next one, you got the Houston Texans versus the Tennessee Titans, and Tennessee, of course, coming off that short week. Uh, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I I tried to find Vegas odds for which Houston, uh, Texan defensive back is going to get Josh Norman this week. Bye <laughs> bye. <laughs> Was that not crazy? Derrick Henry just totally put him into next week already. I don't know uh, how, what, what was being told to Josh Norman on the sidelines after that
1: happened. <laughs> you know, it's funny with Josh Norman is. He's had some hits this year where he was the aggressor. You know what I mean? Because he's a small guy. He's a corner, but he's a physical guy and he's mean. We know We know about his history. He mm-hmm. likes to talk a lot of trash. He likes to get in guys' <laughs> heads. He likes to cause fights. We've seen this a number of times with him yes. in his career. So it was kind of funny to see Derrick Henry just toss him around like a fly. I mean, what do you do for an encore? If Henry has one in this game, what do you do? You pick him up with one hand and throw him into the stands while you're holding the football with the other hand? I don't know what you could do to top that.
0: What do you do if you're a defensive back? And you know, that's going to be in the back of their minds whenever they're playing Tennessee now. And and you know. Derrick Henry was always a big guy anyway, and so they had to be a little hesitant in tackling him. But now they don't want to end up on a poster or on a meme or something like that. That's got to play with their minds a little bit. Derrick Henry is just uh, unlike – any. I, who? Earl Campbell? Who, how, would, how would you uh, say that he is a running style of – and I, he runs upright like Eric Dickerson, but he's got that mm-hmm. meanness and that toughness about him like a
1: Walter Payton, like an Earl Campbell. I see him like a faster Jerome Bettis because nobody could tackle. You remember the bus. Nobody could Mm -hmm. tackle him, but he didn't have this kind of speed. The only time Jerome Bettis showed speed at all was when he got in the open field. He was a little bit faster than you thought. But in between the tackles, he was slow, and he just ran guys over. Derrick Henry is so big, he runs guys over, but he also has the speed. When he gets downhill and he leans forward just a little bit with his shoulder – You could see the defenders starting to give way with their legs. Like, watch the film. Go back and watch last year. Watch They start to give way. They're like, what am I doing here? Like, why am I I standing in front of a train right now coming full speed? So, uh, you know, yeah, he's a special player. And why do you think Ryan Tannehill is playing so well? I think Ryan Tannehill is an underrated quarterback in general. I think he's a very good player. But now he's playing like almost a top-tier guy, doesn't turn the ball over because everybody's worried about Derrick Henry. Every time they play action, somebody's wide open. It doesn't even matter who's playing wide receiver for Tennessee. So Derrick Henry's opening up everything. We're talking about top 10 player in the league for value. He might even be top five. And that's very rare when it comes to running back, as we know, because the league has devalued the position.
0: The game total started out at 55. It's dropped down to 53 and a half. Uh, the Titans are favored by three and a half points on this one, John. It really, uh, you know, I know Houston had that uh, that offensive explosion last week. They played really well on offense, even had that little shot in the arm on defense. But Ryan Tannehill, like you said, is playing out of his mind right now. It's that play action pass that opens things up for him because everybody is worried about Derrick Henry. And I know Jonu Smith. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard about Coop saying John New Smith doesn't run that many routes. It doesn't matter how many routes John New Smith is doing. He's he's almost become a top five fantasy tight end at this point.
1: Yeah, he's actually number three. So in most settings, if you pull up the rankings of all tight ends, uh, he's going to come in there at the number three spot. And I agree with you, my friend, because there's an example from last year. Mark Andrews didn't even have 100 targets. And he was a top two or three tight end last year. So it's all about the efficiency at the tight end position, because of course, on most teams, the tight end's not going to lead the team in targets unless you're the Raiders and Darren Waller's a monster and you're going to throw to him every time. Other than that, they're going to be a guy that's a little bit in the background and you're going to use your play action to free him up. And you're going to do things at the goal line that makes the tight end be wide open when you run some action, right? So they're not going to get all the targets. So I agree with you. I think Jonu Smith For a guy who had a lot of hype going into the season is delivering on that. So he's, of course, a good play. Derrick Henry's a monster. A.J. Brown came back strong. So that's a few DFS plays there. Houston, you still got to try with Cooks and Fuller. You still got to try with David Johnson. Doesn't mean it's going to work out for you. And you got to try with Watson because it's a 54-point over-under. So if they're in the game, he's going to have a good game. For me, picking the game, I'm taking Tennessee because I feel like it'll stay close for a little while. Maybe two quarters. Maybe two and a half quarters, and then the cream will rise to the top toward the second half, and also the second half of the third quarter going into the fourth. I think that's where you're going to see Tennessee and Mike Vrabel take control of this game. Tennessee's going to win it by seven or ten points.
0: I agree with you. I was thinking Tennessee by ten, just that late round, that late that late score, that late touchdown. You know, yeah. they're already up by three, and then Derrick Henry runs it in at the end to put them up by ten, and uh, there's nothing more that the Houston Texans can do. You've mentioned monsters. We've talked about how scary Derrick Henry is at this point. John, I I need some movie recommendations for you. It's around Halloween, so I think we should stay with the Halloween theme, not necessarily the Halloween movie, but but are there some good scary drama type movies that people can, uh, have their eyes out for uh, during this football season that we don't even know what day of the week it is anymore that they play on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, on that, on that last topic, I'm, I'm kind of hoping we get to a situation where there's a game every night of the week. Oh, I hope okay. that happens. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, when you're, when you're filling in, uh, and there's no football games, it's kind of funny. Cause I'm a chicken. I'll tell you straight up right on the air. I don't like all that scary stuff, but guess <laughs> what? My wife does. My wife oh. loves the scary movies, so I've probably seen them all at this point. So you're asking the right guy. I'm just, on, you know, I'm underneath the blanket, underneath the pillow. Like, oh, yeah, every, I'm jumping every time something happens. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm honest, man. I'll tell you straight out. So, like, there, there's a couple. Uh, the series are the good ones. You know, those are, those are the ones. The original okay. Halloween, of course, is a classic. That's the one you're going to pick over all the Halloweens. The original Scream, the first Scream, because it's also got a little bit of comedy in it, so it's not just like a slasher movie. So the first Scream, Uh, the Conjuring series, those are scary, right? That's like a series of scary movies in in a house, Um, you know. So those three are ones that really freak me out. And then look, it doesn't necessarily just because you're doing scary movies, it doesn't have to be Halloween related. You could go back to some of the classics, and you could watch like a Jaws. Just because it's not Halloween doesn't mean it's not scary. You know what I mean? So. Uh, You know, you can mix and match with other types of scary movies this time of year because I see all the networks are doing it. So there's a lot of stuff out there and, uh, you know, just hide underneath that blanket.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I don't watch a lot of movies, you know that. And so when you talk about things like this, I like that you bring up something like Jaws because people don't think about that as a Halloween movie. But man, Jaws will make you jump. (laughs) Okay, Jaws Jaws will make you jump. And that is a very entertaining movie. It doesn't get enough credit, I think, in the movie realms of things. So if if young, young people have not seen the original Jaws yet, which by the way, John, I went to the movie theater. With my parents, I sat on my my mother's lap. I think during Jaws, they brought it to me. I fell asleep right after. I think he, he ate the girl that went out there to swim or something like that. I, I fell asleep <laughs> right after that. It's the last thing I remember. I, I had to be three, four, five years old or something. I, I was I was really young, but I remember hearing the da 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 da, and then, so it's it's always made an impression in my mind.
1: You know, you just raised a really good point, my friend, is there's a video that went viral this morning, since we're talking about Halloween, of a little kid dressed up as Michael Myers in a playground, tormenting the other kids on the playground set with a fake knife. I swear I swear to you, I'm not making this up. So look it up when we get off the air and everybody who's who's watching. I mean, it's horrible. But my point is... You know, no offense to your parents in this case, but maybe that was maybe a little too early to take you to go see Jaws because I feel like this kid who's running around in the park saw Halloween too early, and now he's trying to stab kids with fake knives. So, you you know, out to the parents out there be careful. Let's not expose the kids to the scary movies too early. Let's wait until the later teenage years because you don't want them running around chasing kids around the parking lot.
0: And like I said, you're gonna hear a story of mine at some point about my life and you're gonna be like, Oh, that explains so much about him. So I'm letting you in on a little bit of this. And I don't think they took me to go see Jaws. It wasn't like I said, Oh Mama, could you please go take me to go see Jaws? You know, it wasn't like that. I think that, you know, it was it was at night, they didn't have a babysitter and they wanted to go see Jaws. They were a young couple. And so they brought me with them and I fell asleep shortly after the movie started. So I, 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 they just might have mistimed it a little bit. But uh, anyway,
1: these parents, these parents with the Halloween kid, I think they mistimed it. Well, and, and, you know, as a father, I
0: always have said my job as a daddy is to keep my child's innocence as long as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Because you only get to be a child once. And once you lose your innocence, you know, just when your eyes become open to things, that's when the real world slaps you. And I want my daughters to be children for as long as they possibly can and just enjoy life without having the 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 adulthood come into their life.
1: I think that's a great message. I, honestly, I think when we post this show and you, you know, you do your Twitter thing with all your, your lead-ins to the story and to the show. I honestly think you should put that in there. Cause if people are listening, that's really great advice because you know, I have my first one coming soon. So I will definitely take your advice on that. And I think it's a great message for all the parents out there.
0: Now you just broke news. I see. We, I know this, but <laughs> the listeners do not know this. It's a little Johnny coming.
1: <laughs> well, we'll find out if it's a boy or girl in a couple of weeks, so uh looking forward to it very exciting times. everybody's doing well over here, so i from those that know already, I appreciate the wishes and uh we'll keep you updated yeah and, and if it's
0: a girl, if it's a girl, West Lena is a wonderful name <laughs> okay you could you could tell your wife West Lena is a great name
1: <laughs> I will deliver that I'm gonna deliver that message. I'm sure it's gonna get a really good reaction. <laughs>
0: Hey, a a good reaction is not, a fantasy reaction is not this next game. The Washington football team versus the New York Giants. Look at this total for the game, John. It's 43 points. You cannot put anybody from fantasy in this game at all. Unfortunately, I have Evan Ingram on one of my teams, and I just can't seem to figure out a way to get rid of him. I'm expecting a big breakout at him at some point, but I've been thinking that for about two weeks, and I've just been lucky enough to get nine or ten points from him.
1: Uh, I have good news for you. From from watching the entire game last week, which was obviously probably the saddest game of the season because of what happened to Dak Prescott. I mean, sure. I had kind of like a little like I feel terrible for him. The the guy had depression before the season. This is his contract year. It was just an absolute nightmare. But of course, I'm also watching the whole game anyway here locally with the Giants. And the good news for you, my friend, is Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator for the Giants, is looking for more and more ways to just find a way to get the ball into Evan Ingram's hands. So maybe he's going to bounce back for you. Of course, he had a touchdown last week on a little jet sweep. So maybe there's going to be more of that as we go forward. But fantasy plays, I think you're right. We got a low over-under here. We have a division rivalry and a battle of the teams at the bottom of the division. And the Washington defense has been a little bit better than people thought it would be. I think you got to go ahead and try that Washington defense against Daniel Jones. Because Daniel Jones, as much as he shows some flashes of being good, has no awareness of the rush. None. Now, it's, it's a deep enough into his career now that he needs to know when the pass rush is coming, either from the, the blind side or right in front of his face. He doesn't see it when they're coming right down the middle, right in front of his face. So I, I like Washington defense as a play in DFS.
0: I agree with you. And, you know, it's such a low total for this game. It started out at 44 and a half. It makes me want to take the over in this game because it seems really hard for any NFL team, uh, two of them combined, to only score 43 points in a game.
1: Yeah, it depends on how you look at the score, right? Would Would you be really that surprised if it was like twenty to seventeen? I wouldn't be. Twenty to seventeen, right? Thirty-seven points. That's a very plausible score for this game. So it depends on how you look at the numbers in the matchup. I mean, I between the two quarterbacks right now. In all honesty, I'm taking Kyle Allen. So if you if you if you want to be tricky and you want to just throw a quarterback in there cheap to bring in a lot of high salaries in DFS, if you're going to pick between the two, I go with Allen. Because he actually looked pretty good before he got hurt last week. And he showed some flashes last year as well of being a guy with some potential. And obviously Washington thinks the same thing because they benched their first-round quarterback for him. So if you're going to go between the two, I go with Allen. But fantasy-wise, on that team, I can only play him if I'm being tricky. I could play their defense. Or you could play Antonio Gibson just because he's getting a lot of touches. But there's not a lot out there. There's Ingram for the Giants, and it's pretty thin otherwise. Maybe Devontae Freeman, who's starting to look like a renaissance year for him.
0: Yeah, I'm staying away from this as far as DFS goes. I really want to stay away from this. If I have to pick a game or if I have to pick a team, I, I, I'm going to take Washington and the points. Just the the futility will win out at some point um, uh, for this uh, matchup here. And you know what I should have done? I should have took Kyle Allen as my Ryan Tannehill pick instead of Case Keenum. I thought Case Keenum was going to have a shot. Uh, mm. In this next Cleveland-Pittsburgh game at some point, because Baker Mayfield is a little bit injured, a little bit banged up with his ribs. And Pittsburgh has been talking about making Baker Mayfield remember that he has hurt ribs <laughs> this week, <laughs> which is going to make this matchup just really, really juicy. This is a a, a really just a, a blanket line. It seems like a 51 point point total. The, the Steelers are favored by, by three and a half at home, which seems to be about the right Right play here whenever Vegas is making a home team. I think they give them four points every time whenever they're at home. So what do you think about this game, John?
1: Yeah, I got to go both ways on this one. So I got to go with the spread because the line dropped a half a point from four to three and a half and the action's forty-three fifty-seven. So it's basically a split right now. Uh-huh. With the points, I'm going to take the Browns. So that means in the fit picks, I'm going to take the Steelers, which means this game comes down to the final play comes down to a field goal and it's going to be Boswell and the Steelers are going to win this game by three down the stretch. I think that line of 51 looks exactly right because in my brain, the score for this game was 27, 24 Steelers. So I got to think Vegas is on the right track here with that line. Um, So that's where I'm going with that. And uh, you know, there's a lot of plays out here. Keep an eye on something. I posted it this week. Don't give up on Dearness Johnson yet the backup running back for the Browns now with Chubb being out. And the reason is something's going on with Kareem Hunt every week. It's, he yeah. looks great. He's playing tremendous football. There's no doubt about that. No one's questioning that. But two weeks ago, he had an injury at the end of the game. Last week, he had cramps at the end of the game. So either the guy didn't do enough during the offseason, or maybe he's just a little bit banged up, and they're, they're labeling it as different things. Um, give up on Dearness Johnson because it's going to be another five, six weeks before you see Nick Chubb, if, if at all. If something happens to Hunt, Johnson looks bouncy. So not for DFS, but for season long, I don't think you should release him. I think you should keep him on your bench.
0: Great advice. I am going to take the Steelers as well, simply because Baker Mayfield, either A, he doesn't trust his offensive line. Or B, he has really happy feet and he just runs out of that pocket. And I don't mind a quarterback doing that, doing whatever makes him feel comfortable on the field as long as there are results coming from it. But man, if the Steelers can get through that offensive line easily, which I think they will, they're going to make it a very long day for Baker Mayfield. And I don't want Case Keenum to have to be thrown back there if that offensive line is that bad, just because it's really hard for a, a quarterback to come in off the bench, not having any preseason snaps or anything like that. Uh, with a with a the. Run Rush, the the pass rush that Pittsburgh typically has, they can make it a long day for any of those quarterbacks in for Cleveland. And I think that Pittsburgh, I'm not going to say runs away with this one, but it's not going to be as close as I, as people think.
1: Right. So you kind of think it's going to be like the Tennessee game where it hangs around a little close for a little while, but then the Steelers pull away at the end. That's kind of the vision you have for it?
0: Yeah, it is. And Deontay Johnson, I believe, is gone for this game. Are we going to see another Claypool
1: lay? I think the thing most people are saying right now is there's no way he can repeat that performance, so you got to stay away from him. I would Mm. be careful with that, right? I would be very careful just making a blanket statement, and I've seen it everywhere, right? If you Google Chase Claypool this week, the first thing you read is, "Well, he'll never do that again." That's what everybody says. I'm not saying he's going to score four touchdowns. I'm just saying don't not play him because he was too good last week. Because Deontay Johnson's probably not going to be playing in this one, so Claypool is going to be top at the top of the line in target share with Juju Smith Schuster. So I still think you should use him in DFS. Don't expect four touchdowns. That's silly. But I think he's gonna be out there. Now two things I want to say. One is would you say that Pittsburgh's defense has probably been the most consistent? Would you label them as the number one defense in the league right now, all around, all things considered? How do you feel about that?
0: I think so ever since their pickup of who was it, Fitzpatrick last
1: season that they picked yeah, Minka, up? Make a Fitzpatrick yeah. safety, yeah. yes. He was he was from what school Do you remember? I forget the college, but he played for Miami before that. So I you know, for me I'm I'm always more focused on the NFL stuff. He played for the Dolphins. He was considered their best player and they traded him because they were kind of dismantling the team.
0: I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Anytime I say something like that, Alabama is the correct answer. Okay? Just I'm just if I go, oh, what school did he play for? It's Alabama. Alabama's the right answer. And Mika Fitzpatrick was always a troublemaker on the field for even Alabama, just kind of was able to run around out there on the on the field as a as a just a free range guy. And he turned that defense completely around for Pittsburgh last season. And they're just staying with it. I think, especially now with the preseason games being over with, in my mind, you know, the first three or four weeks of the regular season now being over with, that defense is going to do nothing but get better and get better as the year goes on
1: yes no I'm with you on that and then the one other thing that comes to my mind is how about the job that Kevin Stefanski has done with the Browns so I'm going to put you on the spot here you got to pick who is the coach of the year is it undefeated Matt LaFleur is it undefeated Mike Vrabel or is it most improved which is the Browns and Stefanski it's got to be one of those three guys right
0: you would think so But I'm not going to take Matt Rule out of the conversation either because he's done a wonderful job in Carolina. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't think that he would be nearly as successful as he is. And he lost Christian McCaffrey as well. So his team is winning and producing without that superstar.
1: Yes, that's true. But I think normally when you pick the winner for coach of the year, they have one of the best records in the league. So that's the only thing you don't have going for you there. Uh, Carolina right now, let's see what they're, they're... Four and one, aren't they? No, I don't think. Are they really? Close to it, if they ain't. No, they're 3-2. Yeah, they're 3-2, so that's a little they're bit different. The two, the two other guys, yeah, no, I was going to say there's no way they're 4-1. Um, But the two other guys are undefeated, and, of course, the Browns having only one loss. If the Browns mm-hmm. win this game, that's got to put Stefanski in the lead oh, for yeah. Coach Pierre, I would think.
0: Definitely, and, and Baker Mayfield may be in line for that most improved player. And you're right, probably. I need to take him out of the equation for Carolina just simply because they will lose to my Bears this week, and he'll just right. be a simple 500 <laughs> team.
1: Right, if they win, then you're going to be back in the mix. So, so it's a, it's a win-win for you. You're going to look at either way. Either your Bears are going to win or Matt Rule is going to be 4 and 2 and you're going to say, "Wait a minute, he might be coach of the year."
0: Hey, I'm I'm looking good no matter what, Johnny. All right. Hey, we got Baltimore and Philadelphia. A, a crate just Baltimore is is, is uh, they keep getting all these weird teams, like these teams that that they're just they can pick on and yet they're not winning to me in an overwhelming fashion. The public comes in at 61% on Baltimore on this game. This is the biggest line so far that we've had uh, so far, and it started out at minus seven on Baltimore, moved up to minus nine and a half, but the point total has dropped two points to 46 and a half, John. This this seems like another Philadelphia is going to come in here, ground and pound, keep this one close. I want to take Philadelphia in this game, but Lamar Jackson is playing Philadelphia, I think, for the first time, and that usually gives teams a lot of trouble.
1: Yes, you're right about that. So let's talk about that line action, because that's very unique to this game, and it's telling you a story, right? So the Ravens went from minus seven to minus 10. At pinnacle, there 10, which is one of the major sites, right? Okay, so that's telling you right now that the Ravens line was too low to begin with, and there's a chance they're going to blow them out. That's one half of the story. The other half of the story is the line going down from 48 and a half to 46 and a half. So what does that tell you? Between the two teams, the better defense is the Ravens, right? The Ravens are probably in the top five or seven all-around defenses in the league. So what the story is of the lines is a possible blowout by the Ravens. That's what it's telling you. It's telling you lower scoring game, but the Ravens winning by a lot of points. So it could be something like a 30 to seven or a 35 to 10 hovering right around the line. So I'm gonna take the Ravens. Also, uh, the guy who I was asked about the most this week, other than James Robinson, was Lamar Jackson. I had multiple people either saying to me or asking me on Twitter and by, via text that they were gonna bench Lamar Jackson or trade Lamar Jackson. Ooh. Guys, that's you can't do fantasy that way. You can't start selling guys when they do poorly. That's how you. That's how your team stinks, right? You gotta wait for guys who are superstars to come around. So I'm I'm actually gonna buy low on Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to take the Ravens in the blowout here uh, and I'm going to go with the under also. Uh, That's where I'm playing in this game.
0: I agree with you on this one, John. I I, just, I see what you're saying, how the story has unfolded with the point totals and the line spread and everything. So I, I see what you're saying here, and I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take Baltimore. I like, I like Lamar Jackson whenever he goes up against a defense for the first time. And man, Philadelphia just has turned the ball over so many times. Carson Wentz is doing everything he has. They just don't have enough talent to keep up with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens this go-around. A great opportunity for me to remind everybody that, they are listening to the John Frisella show here on the fantasy impact today network. And I just want to thank the fit fam for tuning in, for subscribing, for listening, for sharing this program with other people. Don't forget to follow John on Twitter at legend sports seven. And also follow me on Twitter as well at Loafin it. And don't forget about the show. At fi today with a little underscore on there, and we have all the different host names listed on that uh, Twitter page. With and 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 make sure you follow all those people. Head over to Anchor FM if you have not yet subscribe to the show on whatever listening platform you like to listen to shows on or podcasts on. And you can find little links on there to be able to send to your friends and to be able to tell other people about it. A great opportunity to be able to listen to uh, not only this program but all the other. Podcast that we have going on on this show or on this network. So head over to Anchor FM and find the show and subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. That will be wonderful, wonderful thing. And make sure whenever you do that, if it's on the iTunes app, which a majority, John, of our listeners are on the iTunes app. I, I don't know, I don't have an iTunes thing, but a lot of people do. And we just want to ask you to slap those stars, leave a review. That always helps us out whenever it becomes time to the iTunes rankings. The
1: iTunes rankings, Sean. Yeah, uh, next week. we can climb those ranks.
0: Yeah, not that we rank. I mean, I, that that used to be a term that I used a long time ago, and you know that ranks or something like that. So we <laughs> we want to be good ranks. We want to be good. Hey, next game, Cincinnati and Indianapolis. Another low point total. This is a 46 point total for the game. It stayed right there all throughout the week. Really, the 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 spread has stayed the same as well. This is minus seven and a half though on the Colts. So the Colts are favored by seven and a half. I think the I think the film is in on Joe Burrow. I think people know Joe Burrow's strengths now. I see. I think they see the game plan. It seems like each week he does a little bit worse than what he started the year out doing. And this is not a defense that you want to play around with. I like Indianapolis in this game. I don't know if they can cover that seven and a half point spread, John. Please help me out.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, my friend. I, I feel the exact same way. I feel like something is happening with Cincinnati. Obviously, AJ Green's complaining he's not getting the ball enough. He he was caught on the sideline basically saying like, you could just trade me, right? That was the clip from this past week. So mm-hmm. I'm with you. Something is not clicking now. Uh, they started off with some excitement. and starting to fall off and taper off a little bit. So uh, the problem is with the Colts is Phillip Rivers' arm is shot, shot. Mm-hmm. Last year, it was getting worse He still was in the top five in yards, so he was able to do enough to get the ball downfield to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams last year uh, with the Chargers. This year with the Colts, with Paris Campbell being out, Pittman's not a factor. Uh, T.Y. Hilton in his career, if you look at his stats, he's only done well when Andrew Luck plays quarterback. He doesn't do well with anyone else. So now when you add up all those factors, you're like, wait a minute, this Colts offense, the whole offense is the running game, and they don't have Marlon Mack. It's basically just Jonathan Taylor. So the problem is, yes, I'm going to take the Colts. It's all on the defense. I'm expecting them just to get the offense a good field position. Blankenship will probably have a good game. So if you're doing season long with the kickers, right, I like Blankenship against Cincinnati this week. Um, I'm with you. I'm going to take the Colts to, to win and to cover the spread, but just barely. So I got them but winning by nine or 10 points and I got a low scoring game. So I like the Colts defense for DFS and I like Blankenship for the season long and the kicking game.
0: I, I agree with you. I don't know if there's any other plays that we really can play here. Everybody's expecting a big game out of Jonathan Taylor, and he will be in the red zone quite often if you want to put him in some DFS lineups.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, you can play safely. His price wasn't that bad. Um, and of course, Cincinnati is not a team that you're really going to write home about, about their defense. You're not afraid of them. So yeah, I mean, you got you to like Jonathan Taylor uh, for DFS. Not too many others out there. Maybe with A.J. Green tapering off, you're just going to keep looking into Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, and you hope that you get the right guy that week for the right price. But again, this game, I think, is going to be low scoring, and I think Indianapolis Colts defense comes out on top.
0: Yeah, and I think A.J. Green is the next veteran that is either released or traded at this point. I think that it's just, he he can't be putting a good vibe for a young team out there. I'll take
1: him, I'll take him on the Jets in one second. I wouldn't even <laughs> think twice. He'd be the number one receiver in, in one minute overnight.
0: You have to get in line, buddy. I'm taking them on my bears already. Hey, this next this next game is another one and I don't I don't get it. I don't get this game at all. Sixty-eight percent of the money is coming in on Green Bay. So the public money is coming in on Green Bay. Uh The the total, the game total started out at fifty-two points. It has gone up to fifty-five because I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are getting some offensive weapons back, but then that line started out at three points on Tampa Bay side. They were favored by three.
1: And now it's dropped down to zero. So I, I don't I'm so confused. Right. So the line crossed over, right? That's an industry term. So it went from minus three Tampa Bay to zero. And then on three of the big sites, again Pinnacle, DraftKings, and also FanDuel, the line is now minus one for the Packers. So it crossed over zero. And the play with that is, that's really that's speaking volumes. Even though it's 68% on the Packers, it's a road game and it crossed over zero. That means it looks like Green Bay is just a class higher than Tampa Bay. That's what it looks like. So I have to take the Packers. Even though it's 68% on them, I have to take them. It might just be that they're a better two-way team overall. Um, obviously they're clicking more because Tampa Bay is still dealing with having a new quarterback and they're adjusting to the system with the new situation. So I'm taking green Bay, even though it's 68% on them. Uh, I like Aaron Jones a ton this week. Aaron Jones, the monster play Devontae Adams is coming back. Um, I think you got to watch out. I think maybe Tanyan, the tight end has been too hot. So I'm probably going to lay off him because he had three touchdowns last week and a, and a touchdown the week before that. So uh, I'm going to go with the safer guys on Green Bay. That's going to be Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and none of the fringe guys for me.
0: Okay, I agree with you. And as far as Tampa Bay goes, they have Godwin coming back. Mike Evans is still hobbling around out there. Crazy Mike Evans lines. Like, he's getting touchdowns each week, but he's not blowing you away as far as receptions go.
1: No, he's not. And that's, again, we talked about it last week. It's just a testament to him playing through it, which I appreciate. You can see he's not acting He's not putting on a show out here. This is not Halloween 7. You know, he's not dressing in it. It is what it is. The guy's injured. It's clear as day. He and Devontae Parker are the two guys that have been playing through injury all year. And that's a choice that Mike Evans is making. And it's a statement that he's making to Tom Brady and Bruce Arians because those are veteran tough guys. Arians is a tough coach. He's a blue collar guy. He's not going to tolerate the nonsense. Same with Brady. As you saw, he's constantly yelling at his guys, trying to get them in line. Mike Evans is saying, look, man, I'm here to play. I'm on one leg. I'm here to play. So Godwin's the better receiver all around to me as it is, but my hat's off to Evans for playing through it. Um, I can't use him in DFS because like you said, he's not getting enough targets because of the situation. He's not getting enough volume, but we respect what he's doing for the season overall. Uh,
0: uh, Yes. Yes, that's true. And I like that he's toughing it out and I will take Green Bay as well. And I'm going to take the under in this game. I could see this being more of a defensive struggle than an offensive powerhouse kind of a game. All right, next game, we have the Rams versus the San Francisco 49ers. And this this one has jumped around a little bit as far as the point total goes. Mm-hmm. The game total started out at 49. Now it's at 51 and a half. So it's gone up a little bit. And, and this is the weird one, John, because San Francisco started out being favored by three, but it's jumped to the Rams being favored by three. Now,
1: what's going on? Yeah, (laughs) we didn't plan this. It just happens to be that the two games that crossed over zero are back to back. That's just a coincidence. This one is crossing over severely. I mean, it's pretty obvious what's going on, right, my friend? People are starting to worry about Garoppolo. Uh, If he is scheduled to be the starting quarterback this week, last week he looked like the worst quarterback in the league. He looked worse than Joe Flacco, which is a scary thought, right? Uh, (laughs) So it crossed over from minus three for the 49ers to minus three for the Rams in a road game. This game is screaming. You have to take the Rams. It almost is basically telling you the Rams are going to win by seven or ten points because they screwed up on that opening line. Maybe on the opening line they thought Bethard was going to play, right? Because Garoppolo got benched last week. Maybe right now with the injury to Jimmy G, Bethard is the better quarterback. And that's maybe what the talk is uh, behind the scenes. So I gotta take the Rams. I gotta like Cooper Cup to bounce back this week. Um, I think Daryl bit over his head last week, so I'm not gonna play Daryl Henderson. I think maybe you get Higby on a bounce back, so I like Goff and Higby there. And for the 49ers, because it's a high point total, my main guy is always Mostard, man. Mostard is an animal. Guy's a machine. Mm. So those are my three plays here. I got Mostard, Goff, and I got Higby in this game.
0: I can understand that. I never know. I never know which Ram to play. And okay. I, I think, that, like you said, the the best play is the opposite of last week. That's all. <laughs> you <did. laughs> We, well, then they're going to make sure everybody gets their numbers. And so if one team, if, if some of their players go up a little bit, then that means that the player who's not hot is going to go up next week or at least in the next couple of weeks. I, I agree with you, and I love the Rams' defense right now. They're, it was against Washington last week, but, man, San Francisco did not look impressive at all against the Dolphins. I really like the Rams this week. I think that they're going to take it to San Francisco. I think that this is a, is supposed to be a get-right spot for San Francisco, but it seems like San Francisco's just been reeling this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, literally, they have about 30% of their roster being injured, right? I mean, when you lose Bosa, the 49ers say he's a top five player in the NFL. They just said that last week, their, their front office and their breasts. Sure, it's their guy, but he was up there. He was rookie of the year. He was up there in the defensive MVP voting. Um, that's pretty high praise to say not top five defensive player, top five player in the entire NFL. So that's a big loss for that team. Garoppolo's playing on one leg. Mostart, when he was out, they did not play well without him. Now he's back. Kittle was out for a while. Debo Samuels came back, but is playing injured. So when you add all those things together, again, Shanahan's one of the better coaches in the league. He's doing the best he can. He tried Mullins, right? They went to Bethard. Now they go back to Jimmy G. They mix and match this and that. There's only so much you can do. When you have that many injuries and the guys are not 100%, you can't really play at your top level. And that's just the reality of the situation right now. It's like it's like a higher level version of the Jets. The Jets, if they had all their players, maybe they could be two and three. Take away all their guys that have been injured, injured they're zero and five. The 49ers, maybe they could be four and one. Instead, they're two and three. You know what I mean? So it's it, a lot of it does depend on the injuries.
0: Yeah, and so I'm going to take the Rams, and mm-hmm. I'm going to take the. I, I want to say I'm going to take the over. I just think the Rams are going to score a hundred points this game. That's what I think. Woo. I think. The-
1: Woo! Big numbers. <laughs>
0: All right, we can go over the next two, I think, pretty quickly, uh, and and save some of the best for last here. We got the New York Jets versus the Miami Dolphins. All the money's coming in on Miami. Sixty-three percent of the public is betting on this game uh, for Miami side of things. Miami is favored by nine and a half. That point total is forty-seven. I think people think Miami's going to get forty-six of those points.
1: <laughs> I think they're probably right. You know, it's it's the reverse gravy train of the Chiefs last year, right? So a note. If you bet on the Chiefs in the playoffs last year, they covered the spread every time, including the Super Bowl. So you won automatically. The Jets are the reverse gravy train. If you bet against the Jets, it could be minus 75. Somehow they find a way to cover the spread for you the other way. So just you know, just take Miami. Don't even think twice about it. I, as a matter of fact, in a, a super flex league where I lost Prescott, obviously, to the devastating injury, I immediately traded for Fitzpatrick against the Jets because, number one, Miami is a team on the rise. They're playing good football. Flores is one of the better young coaches in the league. Fitzpatrick also against his old teams always tends to do well. He likes to stick it to his old teams. So if you add up the equation of this game, it says Miami. Yeah, they're going to hold just like the Jets did last week. The Jets held around against Arizona until the fourth quarter when the better team pulled away. Same story here. So the the Dolphins are going to be up by like a touchdown in the third quarter, and then they're going to score another one early in the fourth, and then they're going to kick a field goal. They'll probably win the game by like 17. So I like the Dolphins. I like Fitzpatrick. I like Devontae Parker. I like Gaskin. I like Gasicki. And for the Jets, it's a messy situation because Perryman and Nims are both questionable. And then you have Crowder, who's obviously the main guy. And then you have Jeff Smith, who's been coming on for them in the receiving core. So it's very tricky to even play a single player on the Jets. I probably would only play the Dolphins in this game.
0: Do you have to go out and get what, what's the second, what's the guy behind Gore now? P Ryan now that Le'Veon Bell yeah. has been traded. Uh, yeah. Do you have to go out and get him from a fantasy standpoint? Yeah.
1: If you're in a dynasty league, you absolutely do. Right. So if you're playing in a league where you're picking up with the same guys next year, there's no question. You obviously had to bid on uh, Pirine to get him on your team. Um, In season long, it depends on the length of the bench and your buys. Right. So like in a certain spot, I was able to find a good place to get Pirine and didn't even have to bid on him. So I just keep him on my bench, but you know that you have to manage a little bit more for dynasty. You got to have him for season long. You kind of got to wait and see how he plays. The only problem is if you wait too long and he plays well, then you're gonna to have to bid big on the FOP. So if you can get them and you have space for them, just put them on your bench.
0: Okay, that sounds like a good plan. I will take Miami and I will take the over in that game, John. All right, we'll have the what with the breadwinners. We'll have the breadwinners at the end of the show. Okay, so make sure you're remembering the breadwinners, John, as we go through this. Denver at New England. Uh, once again, this is a huge total. Sixty-seven percent of the money is coming in on New England, who is favored by nine points. The game over under total is forty-five. I think we could take New England in this game as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're locked in this week, my friend. We're pretty much agreeing across the board. Um, I got to take New England, and I'll tell you why. If you are Drew Locke and you are coming back, which the head coach Fangio said the only reason he's listed as questionable is because the NFL did away with the distinction of being probable. So that means Drew Locke is definitely going to play, right, for those people wondering out there. Uh, The Patriots are 2-2. do you really see the Patriots going two and three against the Denver Broncos with a quarterback that hasn't played for a while? Obviously that's not going to happen. So for the fit picks, we're taking new England with no doubt. Secondly, with the spread, I'm also taking new England because I think when you come back and you've been out for a little bit and you have a young team and a weak coach, I mean, I think Fangio is a worse coach than Adam Gaze, in my opinion. I think he's the worst coach in the league. Um, With that situation, I think that Patriots D is going to drive you crazy. So this is a game where we kind of went back to Indianapolis where we said we like their defense against Burrow. I like the Patriots defense against Locke in his first game back. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Pats to win this game by 14 or 17 points.
0: And I'm going to take the under in this game. I think that I don't think that it's going to go very high. Patriots yeah. are going to make sure they win this game by keeping the offense off the field. They are a grounder and a pounder. They can't pass the ball this year. The Patriots cannot pass the ball this year. Big game for Cam Newton, too, by the way. Uh, I think this is one of those, like, like at the beginning of the year, where he ran it in three or four times the very first game. I think he can do that this game as well.
1: Yeah, and he's probably frustrated that he missed time due to COVID. So he probably wants to come out with a bang. So I agree with you on that. Um, also another thing with the Broncos, and maybe you can, uh, answer this question. I've been kind of toggling back and forth. We all know Belichick's strategy is to take away the number one receiver of the opposing team or the number one option. Uh, who is that? Is it Jerry Judy or is it Tim Patrick? Which guy I, I'm looking at it going, wait, wait, who is Belichick going to say? That's the guy we've got to take out of the equation. What, what do you think between those two guys? Pring, pring.
0: <laughs> hey, this is Nick Saban. Hey Nick, this is Bill. Bill, this is Bill Belichick. I'm just wondering, do I need to worry about Jerry Judy this week? Oh man, let me just tell you about that Jerry Judy. And then all of a sudden, the conversation goes, and and it, they they love Jerry Judy uh, in Alabama. I don't know. I think they take away Noah Fant. I just. Look, I don't know who the number one option is. Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, I I don't know. I think it's whoever Drew Locke throws the ball up to and who can run under it at that point. I don't know that there's somebody that they're targeting. And I agree with you about Fangio, not a head coach. There's a reason why he didn't get a head coaching job for that long in the NFL. Great defensive coordinator. My hat will always be off to him as a defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, but it just doesn't seem like it's transitioning over to the head coaching role. And I'll be honest with you, I question a lot of John Elway's decision-making in the front office because the people he brings in just really has me scratching my head. Going out and spending that money on Melvin Gordon with a losing team, that makes me scratch my head. He can't find a quarterback, quarterback carousel there. I just don't understand what's going on with John Elway. He might be more the problem than the answer.
1: The problem that you have there is when you have your guy running the franchise is the franchise's face face of the entire thing from the beginning. He's your guy. John Elway is the Denver Broncos. That's a problem. That's why I like a situation where if you're going to go for a guy who's going to be out front smiling for the cameras, uh, you know, he's a hall of fame type guy. You should take somebody from someone else's organization. So you don't feel so loyal to them when you have to fire them. You understand? So like the 49ers are a great example. I wouldn't consider John Lynch as a guy who's significant to the 49ers, right? He's more significant to the Bucks. So the fact that they took somebody from someone else's organization, who's a Hall of Fame type player, and they put him in charge—if it ever goes south—they could say, well, you know, he's not—he's not really one of our guys. We just hired him as the GM. The Broncos have that emotion and that problem with ownership that John Elway brought us to glory over the years. So now, no matter what he does, we're going to back him up and say, well, as long as he can justify the move, we're going to stay behind him. So that's the problem—is it's too close to home. I do think you're absolutely right. I think he's got to go. I think they got to start over. Um, I just don't know what'll happen because he's that big of a name within the Denver Broncos universe
0: yeah John Lynch looks good too in an outfit I'm just gonna say you know as a as a, as a guy talking about another guy I'm like man John
1: Lynch what do I what do I need to
0: do differently to get we're, that we're
1: way honest. we're honest on the show right wes you you said that I said look I'm under the covers when I'm watching Halloween I mean look man is there, there's a lot of manly men out there that hide a lot of stuff you gotta you gotta tell the audience and tell your friends and family what's really going on out there
0: well, I, I could be envious of how a guy looks in a suit. All right, let's look at the next. Uh, let's say let's let's flip flop this one around because we got a double header again on Monday night. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the Kansas City game first because seventy one percent of the money is coming in on Kansas City. They are mm-hmm. favored by four and a half. That has dropped from three earlier this week, but the point total has gone up to fifty seven. They're they're playing the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo looked terrible. Against the Titans, I think that they got a little bit exposed. Maybe Josh Allen got a little bit exposed. I, they don't have a running game, John, and I, 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 I honestly think that they've been doing it with smoke and mirrors. Josh Allen is great, but I, I don't know if he can be a one man team.
1: Yeah, he's not a one man team. That's for sure. And uh, I'm getting the same vibe as you. This is feeling like Kansas City just laid down a stinker against the Raiders. And by the way, I accept your apology. You questioned the Raiders. They made the champions look like a weak team. That's how good the Raiders played last week. Wow. They
0: they did. They did. They They played great. I, I can't deny that at all.
1: So John, and that's another guy. If they stay hot, John Gruden, will put him in the mix with Matt rule as the sleepers for coach of the year. We'll keep an eye on that as the year goes on. But I think I'm getting the same vibe as you, my friend. I feel like this is a runaway for the chiefs. Uh, it could be, This might be the opposite of the games we talked about before where the cream rises at the end. This could be one of those ones where the Chiefs jump out to the lead early and they don't look back. So I'm with you on that. And the hard thing about this week for the betters out there is a lot of the games where the line has climbed up, so this one went from minus three to minus four and a half, they're also the games where the public is heavily on that. And Mm -hmm. those are the hardest decisions to make as a better because you're getting the conflicting information. The line going up is telling you to take the Chiefs the 71% on the Chiefs is telling you to take Buffalo. So you have to read between the lines and make a decision for yourself. So I think you and I are on the same page. We're going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to take Mahomes. I'm going to take Hardman. Uh, I'm not going to take CEH. I don't know what's going to happen with Le'Veon Bell, so it's a little bit risky. So I'm going to take Mahomes. I'm going to take Hardman. I'm going to take Tyreek Hill. I'm going to take Travis Kelsey. And then I'm a little bit concerned about any of Buffalo. How about you?
0: I agree with you uh, all the way across the board. I don't know if i, I that's a big point total. I could mm-hmm. see it going over that point total, kind of. But I, I, I think I'm going to take the under in that game more right. than anything else. But I do like Kansas City in this game. And if you think about it, just for a minute, Buffalo, yes, they won early. And they won often, and they had huge offensive explosions early in the season, but their defense did not stand up to the tests because they, they, they were sneaking some games out early in the season. They jumped out to big leads, but their defense couldn't hold the lead, and, yep. and so I could see Kansas City jumping out to a huge lead in Buffalo and never being able to come back.
1: Yep, I think that's the game script. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, uh we're on the same page. And then that other Monday night game is going to be real interesting. Oh it's going to be the debut of the starting quarterback, the Red Rocket Andy Dalton for the Cowboys. We got 52% on the Cowboys right now, 48% on Arizona. This is the third line on the board this week where it crossed over zero. It opened as the Cowboys being minus 3. Now it's Arizona minus 1. I now I'm going to tell you, mark this down my friend because I was 100% right. People got too excited about Nick Foles in his first game as the starter for the Bears, and he crapped the bed, right? And we Mm -hmm. said that in advance. They got too excited. You were one of them, by the way. You were too excited. The other one is this situation here with Andy Dalton. People are too excited to say, oh, well, the Cowboys have all these weapons, so Andy Dalton will come in and he'll do well. And he played well when he came in last week. Okay, Foles did the same thing when he came in halfway through the game. He had a good half of the game because he came in with a spark. Then when they started from scratch, he was awful. So I'm definitely taking Arizona. The line crossed over. It's only 48% on them. I'm taking Kyler Murray in this game. I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins in this game. I'm taking the rising player right now in season-long and in DFS. That's Christian Kirk. He's starting to get more targets. I'm yes. taking him. I'm taking Chase Edmonds, another rising player. And I'm even your boy, Kenyon Drake. He, he did get a touchdown last week, and he's getting a decent amount of touches, and we're talking about the Cowboys. So I'm playing all the Cardinals this week.
0: I think Kenyon Drake, there, there is an injury that he that we're just not being told about or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that could be my only explanation. I'm not trying to look for excuses. I'm just trying to look for reasons. And that's the only thing I can possibly think of. We know in the preseason or before the NFL season kicked off that there was some kind of injury that they were talking about him walking around in a walking boot. That's- and I just... It's possible that that something like that is still lingering. I completely agree with you. This uh, Dallas defense cannot stop a nosebleed, is what Pierre would say over on DFS Dreamers podcast. And so Arizona is just going to run around on this field like crazy. Kyler Murray, everybody's going to be able to see him uh, really be this offensive juggernaut that he has become this season. He is the new Lamar Jackson in my mind.
1: You know what's interesting about Kyler? I've seen him many times. He's on a bunch of my teams in fantasy, and he's been tremendous. But seeing him against the Jets, I will say this. I watched, that's for the first time I watched the entire game against a quote-unquote NFL defense, not that the Jets are one of them. Uh, Kyler Murray does have difficulty stretching the field. So that, just keep that in mind. I like to watch the quarterbacks very closely. His deep ball was underthrown 100% of the time. So every time he stretched it, it was underthrown. Now, when you got a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who's just off the charts, unbelievable, he makes everybody look good. So for Kyler, yeah, the key to his whole game is the run game. That's more important than his throwing. His throwing in, in between the numbers and in between the middle of the field, he's fine. He's pretty good throwing the slant routes and stuff like that. But just keep in mind, he can't really stretch on those deep balls. Everything's being underthrown. There could be some turnovers there against better teams, but this is not one of those weeks, right? Not wow. against Dallas. So we like Murray in fantasy. And again, we like him running the ball more than we do throwing the ball.
0: All right. So on the, on the Dallas side of things. Mm -hmm. You talked about the Red Rocket. How does that affect their wide receivers, John?
1: Well, it's the same situation as right now. Believe it or not, there's four guys getting targets in the wide receiver game. Cedric Wilson has not disappeared. We thought that was kind of a one game thing where he scored the two touchdowns with Dak. Um, Not that he's eating into major production from the other guys. It's just that there's more targets going around and he's still there. He's still in those four wide sets and he's still getting targets. So you got the obvious guys. You got Cooper. You got CeeDee Lamb. You got Michael Gallup and you got Cedric Wilson, and then you got Dalton Schultz at the tight end position. So for me, with all five guys getting looks, and with Dalton, me not trusting him in this particular game, off a bad defensive performance from Arizona, in my opinion, they, they let the Jets drive, which was a miracle. I don't know how. I think Arizona is going to come out determined defensively in this game. So for me, the only play on Dallas on my side is Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not going to play any of the wide receivers. I'm going to take a break from them this week.
0: Wow. And I could see it turning over to a Zeke game. It just doesn't seem like their line is built to to run block anymore. It's, it's really strange when you watch it. I look at Zeke and it's like there's nothing for him to run into except the
1: back of his Dallas Cowboys offensive lineman. Eventually that happens, right? Eventually when you have an elite group, and this also happened in Philadelphia this year because Philadelphia has a very strong offensive line when they have everybody at 100%, but they lost Brandon Brooks before the year even started, one of the best offensive linemen in the league, hands down. Same thing's happening to Dallas now. You can't keep an offensive line together and healthy forever. Eventually guys are going to get older, guys are going to get injured, and you're going to have to move on and you're going to have to reshape. So I think that's happening now. I think that line is starting to taper off Uh, and the problem again, we go back to this team is even with that situation, with the offensive line deteriorating a little bit, you can't abandon the run and you can't have these up and down games over and over again because you can't win them and you can't sustain like that. And that goes back to Mike McCarthy. So for me, I come out pounding the ball in this game. I try to make it a physical game. I try to play like Tennessee. I try to play like green Bay. I try to play like San Francisco. That's what I would do, but it's Mike McCarthy. He just forgets. So if it were me, I'd be riding Zeke. I just don't know what coach is going to do.
0: All right, John. I think that that about wraps it up for us. I can understand all your thought processes, but let's hand out some breadwinners this week. Uh, Let me go first. Can I go first? And I'll let you kind of of organize because I was organizing while you did that.
1: Absolutely. Gentlemen first. You know, I, I have to be second on this list.
0: All right. All right, so Houston, I'm going to take the over in the Houston-Tennessee game. That's at 53 and a half, so I'm going to take the over in that game, and I think it's a lock for Tennessee to win this one as well. I also think it's a lock for Baltimore to win this game. I don't know about the point total. I just think it's a lock for Baltimore. And I'm going to also give the breadwinner pick of the Indianapolis Colts defeating the Cincinnati Bengals this week and covering that spread.
1: I don't hear anything too crazy there. I think I'm I'm sort of with you on that. I think if you want to go breadwinners, right? Also, if you're betting in general, you want to bet odd numbers. So you give a chance to win in the end, right? You don't want to bet four games. So you go two and two and you lose because you're paying the VIG. Oh. So you want to bet, you want to bet odd numbers. So in this week with the three games crossing over zero, why don't you just take all three of those teams? Those are the breadwinners, right? So you got uh, Tampa Bay's line crossed over from minus three to minus one for Green Bay. So Green Bay is one play for me. The Rams crossed over from minus three from the 49ers to minus three for the Rams, the Rams are play number two for me. And then Dallas was minus three that crossed over to minus one for Arizona. So Arizona is a play for me. So I got green Bay. I got the Rams and I got Arizona. All you got to do is go two and one and you won yourself some money.
0: Hey, that's that's a fun little segment. We'll give a shout out to the people who said that to us. John, you're going to have to construct the, the tweet. I, you're much better at constructing tweets than I am. You're you're so good at at the English grammar, and I am I am terrible. I'm terrible. No,
1: that's not true, Wes. I think I think you're really good, my friend. Don't be so hard on yourself. I I'm more likely to be hard on you on your football picks than I am for your grammar, my <laughs> friend.
0: Hey, it's been a pleasure again, John. Make sure you head over to John Frisella blog to find out all of his different lists that he has up there. I'm looking for some, I need something new on there, John, please. If you go, if you don't mind, whenever I Google John Frisella and blog, I need something new on your page. So I know you'll be on top of that for me, uh, even though you have a lot going on right now, having to prepare for little Wes Lena.
1: Okay? <laughs> yep. I got that going on. Obviously I'm working about 60 hours a week too, on top of that. Uh, by the way, since Wes mentioned that, if you have any list you want to do right now, top 50 quarterbacks, whatever it is, top running backs, wide receivers, defensive players, send me a recommendation. Maybe we'll do it that way. We'll get somebody asking for a particular list, and I'll come in and I'll bang one out for us on John Frisella Sports. Don't forget over at Aaron Torres Online. I'm the lead columnist over there. I'm here with Wes Easley at Loafin' It, my man. And then, of course, fantasy coach JB, Jared Barry. That's the whole gang. So follow us everywhere you can.
0: Yeah, and don't forget to follow John on Twitter. Let's get him up. He's getting closer to 2,000. we got to get you up over 2,000. John, I'll feel like I have done something with my life if I can get you to 2,000 followers on Twitter at LegendSports7 on Twitter. Make sure you tell your friends to follow that, too. I want I want John's eyes to get real big after he gets a bunch of different follows, so that'll be fantastic. Don't forget to follow the show, at today with a little underscore with all the host names up underneath the bio, and you can always stay tuned in to everything that's going on on the Fantasy Impact Today network there. You can also find our fit picks that we mentioned a couple of different times, and I'm sure we will find a way to get these breadwinners out there to you as well. Head over to Anchor FM. Make sure you follow the show there or subscribe to the show there. Leave a little review. Leave, slap some stars around on the iTunes app as well. Tell your friends about the show. Thank you so much, FitFam, for all the support that you have shown this program and all the different programs on the Fantasy, Today, uh, Fantasy Impact Today Network. You have done a wonderful job, and my hat's off to you for that. I cannot thank you enough for the support that you have shown us. But more importantly than all those actions by you, FitFam, we always want to encourage you to find a way to go out into the world and make a positive impact in somebody's life today.